Well, today uh, we are going to uh, continue in Genesis and what in a very important place we're at in these chapters in Jacob's life. One of the things we're learning in our whole study is, wow, you know, we can really relate to uh, what's going on in this, uh, you know, in, in the text here. Because, you know, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The way he worked in the life of uh, Jacob, he works in our lives uh, as well. Maybe not the same circumstances, of course, and not exactly, you know, in the same ways. Jacob is a unique uh, figure in the scriptures, but still, uh, the attributes of God, uh, you know, uh, never change. And uh, that's why we can read these texts and say, you know, it's, I'm not just reading a history book about something that happened uh, thousands of years ago, uh, but I'm reading about the very uh, God who is alive and well today and who works in our lives uh, as well. Uh, and uh, so there's so much we can gain out of it, as well as understanding the big story of Genesis, that of God's faithfulness, God establishing his covenant you know, establishing his uh, people and, and covenant uh, with, the, with the Jewish people. So there's a lot to learn here, as we'll see today. So last week, uh, we talked a little bit about the um, Jacob, Jacob's uh, situation as he was re-entering uh, the land, about returning. And we talked about returning, and, you know, from a foreign place. He was in Padan Aram, remember, with Laban for... 20 years, and now it is time to return. And uh, remember that he was very fearful, very afraid, right? What was he afraid of? He was afraid of his brother. <laughs> he was afraid of Esau. He was afraid of what was going to, to happen. So we saw last week, first he prayed. He prayed this great heartfelt prayer uh, 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 to God. And then we see that he has this experience of God that in the Bible is called wrestling, that the, the man wrestled with Jacob. And, and uh, we said last week uh, that, uh, you know, there's two perspectives on that. One is uh, Jacob was wrestling with the, with, uh, the Lord, is really uh, who he's wrestling with, uh, and the other way around. And the Lord was wrestling with him uh, uh, at the same time. And we talked all about that. And we saw there that, uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, there's a calling on his life. His name's changed to Yisrael, uh, and uh, we see that he comes away limping, right? Uh, a residual effect uh, on his life of, uh, of having that encounter with God. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about that today because it affects the next chapter completely, uh, chapter 33, because now, now that he's had this experience uh, with God and he receives the blessing, and remember, the blessing is God's provision God's faithfulness uh, toward him. And it comes in different ways throughout the rest of his life. And uh, in the immediate, you know, you know this is like, uh, like many of the ways that we pray. There's, a, there's an immediate issue. He prays about the immediate issue. His concern is about the immediate issue. The wrestling is about the, the immediate issue with Esau. But really what God is doing is changing him to be to give him a whole other worldview, you might say, for the rest of his life. Not just the issue with Esau, but for the rest of his life. Because as we'll see uh, today, yes, there is this great reconciliation that takes place, but then there's great tragedy uh, that, that comes into his life. 
uh, after that, but how he endures uh, uh, through it. So uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see all of that. Well, now uh, he engages Esau. Now, finally, after the prayer and after the wrestling and receiving the blessing and and you know Israel, uh, his uh, his covenant name, uh, you might say. Right uh, now he's. Now the rubber meets the road. Now he's going to encounter Esau, and we'll see uh, what happens. Now, the thing about reading these texts is that if we're a Bible reader, we know what happens, and so we miss the, like, the big wow, you, you might say, you know? Because, well, I know what's going to happen, and we'll see it how it unfolds. You know? But try to read chapter 33 as if you had never read it, because if you never read it, what is the assumption that we should have? The, what is the, the natural assumption? If we don't know anything that happens after chapter 32, what is the assumption that we're going to have about this meeting with Esau? That it's not going to be pretty, right? That, uh, you know, it's been 20 years of simmering, uh, 20 years of worrying, perhaps, on Jacob's part, and 20 years of seething on Esau's part. And now Jacob is returning, and what, uh, and what Jacob knows from uh, those who went, in, uh, you know, went ahead of him to see what was going on, that a group is coming from uh, Esau. And can't you just imagine in Jacob's mind, it's like a bear like, you know, that's like drooling, you know, uh, uh, just ready to chomp on, on Jacob. You know, and, uh, and that would be the assumption that any of us would, would probably have. So it's important for us to be thinking that way when we begin to read chapter 33. All right. Then Jacob lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, Esau was coming, and 400 men with him. Yikes. So he divided the children among Leah and Rachel and the two maids, and he put the maids and the children in front, and Leah and her children next, and Rachel and Joseph last. But he himself passed on ahead of them, and he bowed down on the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. Then Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him, and they wept. Wow! That's not supposed to happen. This is like, wow! Who saw that coming? You know? Uh, and we see here this marvelous, wonderful uh, reconciliation that did not, uh, you know, was not in the radar, was not the assumption uh, that we had about what was going to take place. So when we look at this carefully, we see here that first... Jacob had certain assumptions about his meeting with Esau that led him to a certain way of thinking, that led him to a certain way of feeling, that led him to a certain way of preparing, like for the worst, right? But this is not indeed what happens. So we see how Jacob uh, reaches out to Esau and how Esau reaches out to Jacob. Jacob bows down, Esau embraces. Jacob bows down to Esau. That in and of itself is, is a pretty big deal. 
bowing down to Esau. Jacob is the one with the blessing. Jacob is the one with the inheritance. Jacob is the one uh, who received, you, you know, what Esau wanted. Yet when he approaches Esau, he comes with great humility. He bows down. Esau embraces him. Now, we don't know exactly what happened to Esau. Isn't that kind of interesting? This is, like, this is, this is very interesting. We don't know what happened to Esau. We don't read about Esau wrestling with God. We don't read about Esau having this like uh, come to uh, Elohim experience, right? Uh, we don't read any of it at all. As far as we know, Esau is same old E, you know? Uh, but we see how God has been working in the life of Jacob all over the place, right? Uh, and so perhaps what is happening here is that it was the prayer of Jacob and the life-changing wrestling with the Lord that did something to his brother. That it was the work of God in the life of Jacob that somehow affected his brother and God working in Esau's life, even maybe without Esau even recognizing it, but that it was God working in the life of Jacob. Now, you know, it is, uh, it is very interesting that going back now to what God did uh, with, uh, with Jacob, that um, the change in Jacob perhaps goes back to this wrestling with a God. And this wrestling with God was a painful experience for Jacob. It was a painful experience. We know it was a painful experience because of what physically happened to him. He ends up limping. This was painful. And so sometimes... In our own, you know, uh, walk with the Lord, in our own uh, fear uh, and assumptions that we have and, and we cry out to God, sometimes God is not so concerned about the specific thing that we're, uh, we're worried about, but he's doing a greater work in our lives. And that when Jacob wrestled with the angel or wrestled with with the Lord, that God was doing some great work down deep below the surface. And sometimes when God does that in our lives, facing ourselves, the, you know, the, the, the things of our lives that hold us back, that, that we can't seem to overcome, that sometimes it can be uh, a painful experience. But the end result is a new name. The end result is a newfound calling. The end result is healing. Healing in our lives that ends up affecting other people around us as well as ourselves. And you know, I will say that on the part of uh, Jacob and Esau, in order to have this kind of uh, reconciliation, it takes great courage and it takes great forgiveness in order for the healing to take place. Now, again, we don't know anything about Esau. Esau is sort of just like out there, but we know about Jacob, okay? So rather than speculate about what was going on in, in Esau's heart, which the scriptures evidently are not concerned with, it's what's going on in a Jacob's a heart. That is front and center stage for us. And so we see here some type of change that has come over Jacob uh, in this. 
uh, as I said last time, I don't think that this was like Jacob, like laying the new covenant over this. Like Jacob came to know the Lord in the, in the wrestling. I think he already knew the Lord. There's, there's verse after verse after verse after verse that demonstrates uh, Jacob having a relationship with God before this. But sometimes, and we all know this, that we know the Lord, but we come to this crossroads of some sort in our lives over something going on in our lives. Maybe we're coming out of something or there is a crisis moment and here God drills down and it can be painful when we face our fears, when we face our you know, the, the difficult things in our lives, but that's what it takes oftentimes to bring the healing and that's what we see here in the life of, uh, the life of Jacob. You know, it isn't all euphoria, right? That, uh, uh, that um, I'm just going to uh, move forward and it's euphoric, right? Because if we have that feeling, we will ultimately, the euphoria will go away and we'll be way down here. But, you know, there is this balance in our lives and our relationship with God and our walk with the Lord, right? This balance of the wrestling with God and facing the issues of our lives and experiencing real forgiveness. When we experience real forgiveness from God, it means that we have really come to terms with the sin in our lives. You know, that's how you really experience the forgiveness and the cleansing. But sometimes we have to go below the surface, you know, to get, we have to wrestle uh, uh, to get there. But the end result is, uh, is the forgiveness and, and blessing. And so then the blessing is great, but it, it's, there's this balance that the, 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 the wondrous love of God is tempered with who I am, you know, and the humility that I must have in recognizing. Remember we said this last time? That from my end, I am unworthy. From God's end, I am worthy because of look at the price that was paid uh, for the uh, forgiveness uh, of my sins, the death of the Messiah and his resurrection. But yet I'm unworthy. So there is this balance uh, that, uh, that we have here. And, and so we see that the end result here is the, uh, the reconciliation uh, with, uh, with Esau. And I will suggest that this great reconciliation came because of what God was, from what the text says anyway, from what God was doing in, uh, in Jacob's life. Okay? So, you know, uh, uh, what ends up happening here uh, is uh, that, interestingly enough, in uh, chapter 33, we see here that we move a little farther down. Esau sees, uh, you know, the family and, and the wealth of, uh, of Jacob. And Jacob wants to, uh, wants to give him the, the gift, right? Uh, and so Esau uh, says in verse 9, I have plenty, my brother. Let what you have be your own. Then Jacob said, No, please, if I have found favor in your sight, then take my present from my hand, for I see your face as one who sees the face of God, and you have received me favorably. Somewhere in here there is this Jacob wrestled with God, and he's relating the seeing God face to face, you know, in the, in the wrestling with this reconciliation with his brother, that there is a connection. There's a connection there. 
uh, and he recognizes that God truly has blessed me here in this reconciliation. Uh, with, even though I'm limping, even though and I'm, you know, I'm limping and I've experienced the, the pain of perhaps my reconciliation with God, I, there is blessing here and it's profound. And we see that it gives him this great this sense of humility uh, with his brother. Uh, now, the terminology in verses 10 and 11 is, is just kind of interesting. When he says, no, if I have found favor in your sight, then take my present from my hand, for I see your face as one who sees the face of God, and you've received me favorably. Please take my gift, which has been brought to you, because God has dealt graciously with me and because I have plenty. Thus he urged him to take it. So first, in verse 10, Jacob uses the word mincha, uses the word take my present. Present is like uh, tribute. Take this, take this tribute. You know, take this offering. Okay? But then in verse uh, 11, he uses a different word. In verse 11, when he says, please take my gift, that's the word bracha. And so if you remember, 20 years earlier, there was a problem over the bracha, right? And so here, uh, Jacob is saying here, the, the blessing, the blessing here, the, the fruit of, of, of the blessing that God gave, here, Esau, you know? And so uh, this is, in a sense, the, the fruit of the reconciliation. There was more than a, a hug and a kiss. But here, Jacob says, see here, from the, the blessing that God has blessed me here. Now, Esau said, let us take our journey. Uh, and, and Esau took it. And so Esau took it. And so, the, like, the reconciliation has been uh, affected, you know. Uh, but then uh, Esau wants to travel with Jacob. And Jacob knows that uh, this is not a good idea. Okay? Now, you know, there's two ways. You can read this in a real jaded way. You can read this whole thing in a real jaded way. You can read this whole thing by saying, forget about everything you said, Howard. Jacob was just scared out of his mind. Uh, and so he offers this to, uh, to uh, Esau. Esau uh, uh, takes it, but Jacob is scared to death that Esau is setting a trap to kill him. That's another way to read it. But I don't think that's what the text is saying when you read the text, okay? Uh, you know, it could be a midrash that, you might, that we might like to uh, create or something, but I don't think that's what the text is saying. The text is now it's time for them to go. They're reconciled, but Jacob knows that his people, his sons, and Esau's family, this is not a good environment, okay? And so uh, Jacob goes a different way. He ends up at Sukkot. Esau goes to Seir. And, and Esau is sort of off the stage of history, except for uh, Jacob's uh, funeral. Uh, and then we read about the descendants of Esau. Uh, and, uh, and we follow the story of Jacob. And so uh, sometimes what we learn here, uh, in addition to uh, this, uh, this uh, concept of if I am uh, not reconciled with someone, perhaps God is doing a work in my life. Uh, or if I'm not reconciled with God or not reconciled with myself, you know, or I'm not reconciled with circumstances or with other people, perhaps God is doing a work in my life. And, uh, and, uh, and when that healing comes in my life, there'll be reconciliation. There'll be the experience of forgiveness. 
There'll be the experience of knowing God, of knowing God more, uh, of, of uh, forgiveness and, and, and cleansing and all of it. And, and reconciliation will come. Uh, and we, we will bear the fruit of, of reconciliation by, by how we conduct ourselves and, and, and what we do. But sometimes at the end of the reconciliation doesn't mean that it's wise for us to live together or be together. In this case, it was very covenantal that Esau is the father of a heathen nation and Jacob is the father of the Jewish people. He is Israel. Uh, and, uh, and so that was very, very, very important. There's something else that we see here. And that is that, in a way, uh, very, very quickly, that the life of Jacob here is, in a way, a microcosm of the entire calling of Israel, of the Jewish people. That uh, remember that, um, really, uh, Yisrael, God striving with, you know, God striving with the people, or the people striving with God, depending on how you uh, read that. You'll have to listen to last week. We talked about that. Uh, that uh, that is the history of the Jewish people. This contending, contending with God, and uh, uh, being the covenant people, but in a, you know having a, a difficult a difficult history. Uh, but you know, at the end of the day, uh, there is uh, there's uh, going to be this this day of great persecution again, but followed by reconciliation with God. And what happens at the end of the day? There is reconciliation with the world. The world is reconciled. The wolf lays down with the lamb. Uh, natural enemies become uh, reconciled. Nation upon nation. You can turn to the end of uh, Isaiah chapter 19 and read the last few verses uh, about Egypt and Assyria and Israel being unified uh, and, and reconciled uh, because of the work of God. And so one could say, when Israel is healed, the nations, uh, the nations are reconciled. Uh, healing meaning, uh, you know, uh, uh, coming to know the Messiah. Uh, so that's kind of like, a, uh, so Jacob's, Jacob and Esau is kind of like a microcosm of, of Israel and the nations, we could say. And how important it is, of course, you know, in our, in our own lives to recognize that it's never a lost cause. Right, it's never a lost cause, and perhaps um, you are have been praying for a long time about reconciliation, usually with a family member, like parents, children, for example, right, uh, or brothers and sisters or uh, other people. Perhaps oh, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. Pray they come to know the Lord. Pray that God opens up an opportunity. Perhaps we need to pray, Lord, do a work in me. Wow, that takes a lot of courage. You know, that's a courageous prayer because it's not, always, uh, it's not always clean and simple. It can be messy, you know, and it can take time and, and all of that. But again, the end result is healing in my own life and healing in my relationships with other people that I never thought could be possible and healing with myself, my, just my own self, being in my own self who I really am, you know, and, 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 and all of it. Uh, and so isn't it marvelous at the very end of the chapter, at the very end of the chapter, we see here, Jacob uh, buys a piece of land. It's interesting, he buys a piece of land in Shechem, which is setting us up for the next uh, chapter, of course. But it says in verse 20, then he erected there an altar 
and called it El Elohei Yisrael. Okay? God is the God of Israel. Elohim is the, El is the Elohim of Israel. El is sort of just like G-O-D, you know, in the ancient world. El, you know, that God is the God of Israel. Now, here's something that we often pass over in this. And, and uh, that is, is that um, when he says Yisrael, may I suggest he's talking about himself. He's not talking about the nation of Israel or the history of the Jewish people. But he's saying, God is the God of Yisrael. I am Yisrael. This is who I am. And he's experienced this marvelous reconciliation, one could say, with God and with his brother. And so it's like a declaration that God is the God of, of Yisrael. And by calling himself Yisrael, this is only the second place that we're reading the word, you, you know, uh, or the second spot where we're reading the word uh, here. And he's referring uh, to himself and, of course, his progeny and, and all that, but primarily to himself. Yes, God is the God of Israel. Look at what is, as he's limping, as he's limping, you know, and experiencing pain in his walk, he knows who God is. And so we see that this great blessing that came upon his life brings him humility. And, you know, just go throughout the Bible and you'll see when people have an experience with God, they're not jumping up and down for joy, right? You know, Isaiah, right? Isn't he like one of the best examples of that? He has his vision of God and it's, Oy vey, right? As R.C. Sproul actually said in his book, The Holiness of God. Uh, the, oh, I am a man of unclean lips. That's his response. It wasn't, praise the Lord, let's sing another song, right? Oh, I am a man of unclean lips. That is his experience of God. And then, and then he's, uh, you know, it's the hot coals. Think about that. Is that painful or what? Yes, painful, painful, but it reaps blessing. Look at how God used Isaiah. Wow. Sometimes, sadly, we try to short-circuit the way to get there, you know? And, uh, but the fact is, is that with God dealing with us, in, dealing with our sin, dealing with our wounds, our, our hurts, uh, you know, that are way down in there, that, that yes, it, it, God brings healing. It's like, you know, there's different ways of getting healed. Sometimes you can take a pill and get healed, but other times you have to have like major surgery, right? And uh, we might say, well, that's pretty invasive. I'd rather take the pill. But oftentimes you can't take a pill. You have to have the surgery. But the end result is healing, you know? It is not an instant gratification kind of thing, you know? But God brings healing. He surrounds us with people that love us to encourage us as he does the surgery. We bring in the specialists, you know, to help understand what's going on inside of us. And God brings healing. That, indeed, is what we see here uh, in the life of Jacob. So as we begin this month of Elul, you know, uh, Elul is a, a very, uh, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of interesting things that are written about this month. Uh, but all I'm going to say is that um, it, it is uh, about turning to God. It's like God gives us, isn't it? It's so rich in our tradition that when we take it seriously and filled up with Yeshua, that God gives, even though we know the Lord and all that, God gives us a season of repentance. 
a season of asking forgiveness and receiving forgiveness. And by the way, that is the predominant theme. It's about this issue of forgiveness. And God gives us so this, this time to, to think about it. And it's not only uh, vertical, it's horizontal as well, forgiving one another, loving one another, but it is also uh, vertical. And so, the, the, you know, in uh, some of the uh, great, uh, rich uh, rabbinic teaching on it, the first letters of the month of Elul in, in Hebrew are, uh, are the same first, or no, all the letters of, what am I saying? All the letters of Elul, the, the letters that spell the month, are the first letters of a phrase that's found uh, in the, the Song of Solomon. Ani ledodi vadodi li. Ani ledodi vadodi li. I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. And so the, uh, uh, there's this great, uh, just a, a theme of it's a, a return to God, the one, to our lover, our husband. Uh, a return to God, uh, not just uh, uh, getting right with God, you know, but a return to God. Uh, and so hopefully uh, during this month of Elul, as we come up to Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, let's all consider it a journey, a journey that we all go on together, a journey of reflection, a journey of repentance, a journey of waking up, a, 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 a journey of healing. Uh, and, uh, and may uh, God give us real restoration when we get to Sukkot, you know, the joyous uh, uh, feast of, um, of uh, tabernacles. Indeed, may it be a wake-up call. And you know, next Sunday, a week from tomorrow, uh, we have our immersion service and picnic. Wow, what a great season. Well, what a good idea. What a great season for us to have immersions where uh, we demonstrate uh, coming to faith in Messiah or uh, returning to the Lord, you know, in, in, a, in, a, in a big way, you know, and sort of turning a big page in our lives. Uh, and so I hope that you'll be there uh, on that day because it is, a, uh, it is a very important day in the life of our uh, congregation every year. Uh, when we have our uh, our immersions, and it really kind of epitomizes what the season is all about. Let's pray. Lord, I pray, God, for all of us, oh God. You're constantly doing a work in our lives. We are constantly in the process of becoming. And so, Lord, I pray, God, that we would allow you, just as we read in the psalm, search me and know me. Drill down, Lord. God, root up those places where where, uh, you know, we've been, we've been trimming the, uh, the weeds a long time, Lord. We pray you'd, you'd pull them out once and for all so that we can receive, God, real healing in our heart, in our, inner, in our nefesh, in our soul, Lord. And God, I pray, God, that we would see real victory. And as a result, we see a reconciled life to you, or being reconciled to ourselves, reconciled to, to people that, that we never thought could be even possible. May we have a Jacob and Esau kind of experience, uh, uh, Lord. And God, I pray, uh, uh, Lord, that, that uh, when we are uh, confused and when we are fearful, we would run to you, Lord, and not to any kind of uh, quick fix, whether it be you know, good or benign or really bad or whatever it may be. Let us not run to the quick fix, 
but let us run to you, Lord, and uh, a God, may you do your work in us. Lord, just as sometimes we're afraid to go to the doctor because uh, we might hear that there's something wrong and we get the idea that it's because I went to the doctor that there's something wrong. Lord, may we realize that by going to you, you're bringing the healing. There's already something wrong, Lord, but you bring it to the surface and you begin to uh, uh, give, that, give us that open heart surgery. And thank you, Lord, that you, you give us comfort, the comfort of, of brothers and sisters of, to be with us, even in the comfort of your Ruach, Lord, in the midst of the whole thing. And, and uh, God, uh, uh, and we do pray, God, that you would bring that healing and reconciliation as we see it in our text here today. And Lord, thank you that finally that that is indeed the message of Genesis, the message of Breshit, is that, that you are taking people with real issues. You have this family that defines dysfunction. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, their wives, their children, the, all, all of it. And Lord, you do a work in their lives and you, by your faithfulness, you forge this chosen people to be your uh, channel of fellowship to this world, Lord. And so, God, we thank you that out of this people came Messiah Yeshua. And, Lord, I do pray, God, that uh, we would realize that it is in uh, the Messiah where there is the real healing. In the Messiah, in Yeshua, God, uh, you implant within us the Ruach, the Spirit of God, Lord, and no healing can come unless you dwell within us. And you don't dwell within us unless it is through the risen Messiah. Thank you, Lord, that Yeshua paid the price so we could be healed, as we read in Isaiah 53. Uh, Lord, he took our sins upon him and died and then rose from the dead, Lord. And so, God, may we live in the healing of the resurrection of Messiah Yeshua. We pray in his name.